Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast, where I talk to creative minds about their inspiring professional journeys. I'm your host, David Gidali, and this is episode 25, and today we're back with Colin Levy. He was already here before, and he shared with us his amazing story of how he started as a Blender artist, and he met with the founder of the Blender Foundation and was flown to Amsterdam to direct Blender Short, and then he went to work at Pixar, and then he left, and then he directed another Blender Short, and he's worked for the last six years on a short film called Skywatch, which we didn't really get too deep into because I didn't want to spoil it. But now Skywatch is out. And now we can talk about it with spoilers and get into the nitty gritty detail of how he made it happen and how he got the amazing cameo. And because it's a spoiler written episode, I will tell you right now that the cameo is of Jude Law. So we're going to talk about how he got Jude Law into this episode and about so much more and what he's hoping to do with his short. And I can also add that since we recorded this episode before the short came out, we didn't really know how things are gonna be shaping up, but I can tell you now the short has been out for a few weeks and uh, it already got him into some interesting pitches. There's nothing, no formal news yet, but there's a lot of promising things and it's really exciting to be witnessing this and to be a part of it. And I can't wait to get Colin back on this podcast for another episode in a few more months when some big announcement hopefully are going to be made about Skywatch becoming a feature or something else. Who knows? You never know with those things. But uh, that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I can't wait to share with you. And if you haven't yet, then check out Skywatch. It's out now on YouTube. Obviously, there's going to be a link on the podcast page and it's going to be featured. And he also released a really cool VFX breakdown and a really cool sort of tutorial to how he got Jude Law on his short, which is really cool. Of course, it's a little bit repeating stuff that he already said on the podcast, but it's uh, really fun and I really encourage you guys to look at it. It'll also be embedded in the episode page. And uh, that's it. Without further ado, I give you episode 25 of the Post Post Podcast. Talk a little bit about Skywatch, more like, uh, you know, uh, get in. So Yeah, totally. Welcome back, uh, Colin Levy, uh, on our podcast. Thank you. Um, so this is an episode where we're going to talk a little bit more about Skywatch, your short, uh, your sci-fi short, uh, which is going to be uh, premiering in festivals hopefully very soon. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Um, I'm sure we'll have a follow-up episode after you've been, like, discovered, uh, quote-unquote, or rediscovered, yeah. and uh, on offered, like, a multi-million dollar uh, sci-fi feature. <laughs> because, uh, from what I've, dream. Bef- because from what I've seen, this short... I mean, I think it's a winner. I think that it's going to do what you want it to do, which is to convince uh, people, namely, you know agents and producers that mm-hmm. you have the chops to direct a really cool sci-fi film and that they would probably be uh, making a good decision and a good investment in doing a feature. And I think that, um, you know, that's a great accomplishment. Of course, thank you. no one knows how things will unfold. Right. But, uh, but I think you got a really good 
shot at this with with uh, Skywatch. To Thank be you. Honest. And I'm really anxious about it. <laughs> so I hope that you're right. Um, and as you've mentioned in the previous podcast, it's not new for you to be right. uh, anxious. Right. Um, but um, you know, no one knows. But I think you know. I, I think you have a, as good of a chance as. as as I would hope I would have, you yeah. know, like with, with the short, like, yeah. you know. Uh, but it, regardless, I think you should be just proud because the short is just, you know, it's brilliant. And it when it works on a narrative level, and it's exciting, and it leaves, you know, it leaves you wanting more. And what it, what is what is already in there is, um, A, you know, looks great and moves great and uh, feels just, you know, feels right. It doesn't feel... Cool. In any way, like you've uh, had to cut any corners or you know uh, make any compromises, which is quite, quite, quite incredible. I mean, I've done a few sci-fi shorts yeah. myself, yeah, with uh, a lot of visual effects, very yeah. like big scopes. One yeah. is called Europa, which is mm-hmm. kind of a space uh, odyssey of sorts. Uh, with uh, with uh, uh, I feel like I've seen this one. A submarine going down the undercrust ocean of uh, Jupiter's moon Europa, which <laughs> had a lot of like underground, underwater, and CG environments and stuff. And you know, it's mm. full of regrets, as far as I'm concerned. So and and full of missed opportunities and full of places where I was like, you know, I wish I could work on it a bit more and you know polish it a bit more. And you know, I'm sure you also feel that way about certain aspects of your film but it feels like watching it feels like you've made that you've accomplished a lot of those kind of thank you you know yeah i mean part of that is just a byproduct of working on it for so long for you know for six years as i mentioned right uh, in the previous episode um <laughs> and you know it's it is also the most expensive project that i've uh personally undertaken um and i've also really been fortunate that I, the core team has been uh, extremely supportive and and um, you know my visual effects supervisor Sandro Blattner and my producer Andre Danilevich uh, have really believed in the project since day one and, and have really helped push it uh, to be that that quality um, and you know on previous projects there have been different priorities like getting it done right (laughs) (laughs) like okay it's been long enough but um these guys are as perfectionistic perfectionistic as i am um so i'm you know there are plenty of things that i know that i could do better and scenes that are a little bit clunkier than i wish they were and you know emotionally i wish we cared about these characters more i mean it's always a challenge when you're dealing with a short and you're world building and you're doing all this stuff and you're balancing you know pacing and all this but um, you know, there's there's flaws. Plenty of plenty of things I would love to do to do differently. Right. But on the whole, I'm really proud of what we were able to achieve visually and and story wise. And I think it does hold together. <laughs> I think it's a fun fun it ride. Totally does. And I mean, I I do feel like you've you've been able to create some compelling characters there. I mean, they kind of care about each other. There's this moment of like one of them kind of coming back to rescue his friend. But mm. um, right. And uh, and as you say, it's a short. And I, when I looked at it and I saw that it's ten minutes, I was like, "Yes, thank God," <laughs> because I think that a lot of shorts are too long. Mm-hmm. Um, ten minutes is still long. I, I sort of I wish it was closer to six, you know, for the internet because yeah, but you know, still, I think still in the double digits. You know, if I could, if it, if I could have squeezed in nine minutes and fifty seconds, even that would I think have had a psychological effect. 
personally. That's, that might be true, but I would say probably more important than the difference between 10 minutes and six minutes is the fact that if you start with a, with a strong visual, mm. you know, the first uh, 20 seconds of the short are very visually impressive. Mm. There's something you're doing there with uh, establishing the world and, and uh, the technology um, that is kind of at the, at the center of, of the piece of the short, uh, which is this drone ship, uh, shipping technology. Yeah, um, in the form of this little ad. Yeah, and, and the ad looks amazing. It's, I'm like, how did you shoot that thing? Thank it's, you. Uh, the camera kind of rotates around these houses. Yeah. and like uh, We built a uh, custom rig with carbon fiber and uh, uh, did a bunch of... Uh, paint out work to to remove the rig the, yeah because but the it floats you know the camera floats over furniture and and we just kind of pushed it on one side of the of the of the room and then caught it on the other side wow um and uh i was really excited to build that rig specifically for this shot yeah no i mean i've it's incredible I, I have so many questions. You probably have some behind-the-scenes images that I, I'd love yeah, to see. Yeah, I'll have to send you some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, when you watch something like this, I'm like, wow, okay, so this is just an ad for the... for the. It's not, like, the most important story beat, but I right. think it's very... It's a smart place to invest a little bit more energy because that's the opening of your film, and that exactly. kind of establishes uh, the, the, the tone and the world, but also... Um, it establishes you as a director and what mm. you're all about and, and, uh, and the, how far are you willing to go, uh, you know, to, to accomplish your creative vision, yeah. you know, and not to, not to make any compromises. Like, um, yeah, the first five seconds I think are particularly important. I know just from experience watching YouTube videos. And so, yeah. uh, just, yeah, putting, putting a lot of emphasis on like, is this going to, is this going to hook an audience? Uh, yeah. and, and, and I think I chose to do that more from a production value standpoint or like a, just an interesting cinematic choice with the, this camera move, you know, yeah. um, but you're also looking at a piece of technology you've never seen before. And so I hope that there's some questions like, well, what is this? What is this? That, that, that kind of uh, hopefully people keep watching. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> on YouTube, there's, you know, uh, a billion other things you could be watching so that i mean that's part of my anxiety about releasing this thing online because i'm yeah. not uh don't have uh, a million subscribers on my channel or anything um you know it's just uh, hoping that that uh, the people can yeah find themselves watching this thing and, and make it to the end and watch it and share it and yeah so what is your strategy as far as like releasing it online are you um now that you have a, a cut that is finalized yeah. and mm -hmm. you kind of start essentially you know showing it to 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 people and get yeah. reactions what's your what's your strategy or yeah and just to let the uh the listening audience know it is currently august 5th right uh, <laughs> it's a good good point yes good thing to so point this out. is uh months i think before we'll end up releasing it on, and we haven't picked a day okay. i'm thinking it'll probably be sometime in october but i really actually have no idea it's partially dependent on the festival plan and how serious we are about getting uh, some sort of world premiere you know, at a decent festival. Yeah. Um, and uh, ideally that premiere happens, you know, first before an online right. release and that, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I've focused for the most part these past years on, um, on, on making the thing. And now that it's done, there's a lot more focus on the strategy behind it. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, the main thing that I think is holding it up or holding me, like I'm trying to focus on, uh, another draft of this feature screenplay. I'm yeah. really trying to make that 
because um, I know that the short is promising. You know, I think that the, that you can you can watch it and you can imagine all sorts of directions that the bigger story could go. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that we're capitalizing on we're we're fulfilling the potential. Yeah. You know, of that premise. Um, and, uh, that is proving to be quite difficult. Um, but so I'm writing every day and, and that's, uh, something that I, I really want to get in good shape before really starting to send the link around. So you were literally one of the first people who I sent the link to. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, uh, I think we're going to keep holding back at least in the very near term until I have a draft you know, a little bit further down the line. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be perfect. It never will be perfect. But um, essentially, once conversations get going, I want to be able to whip out this script and say, hey, well, if you're really serious, you know, and you like the pitch and the verbal kind of uh, vision for, for, for what I kind of see the next, you know, iteration of the story being, um, well, here's a here's a 110-page script that that is what I want to do. And I think it's very smart because um, that window of opportunity that opens when your short comes out and there's a hype and people want to yeah. like want to know what's next. That that window closes over time. It yeah. doesn't stay open for very long. Right. Um, not that people f- well f- first of all people forget. Yeah. And uh, also there's a certain hunger I feel like when a movie comes out, uh, especially amongst agents and and managers, to like you know. Uh, be the first to sign you up. Mm. And um, so there could be a situation where you actually don't even have a script ready and some someone is very hungry to sign you up and they will sign you up just mm-hmm. based on what you did. Right. Um, which is great, which is, but it doesn't really matter. Like yeah. you can be signed by the most, uh, you know, prominent agent or manager <laughs> in Hollywood. Right. But they're still not going to write the script for you, for the feature, <laughs> and they're not going to like... right. So you have to, you know, if you're lucky and you get signed with, you know, without a script, you still, you know, you, it can even be a, a bad thing because then, you know, you, you got this opportunity, but you're not actually capitalizing it. So having a script ready is very important, I think. And, and you must have realized it back with Agent uh, 57. And, yeah, right. And, and, the other, and Sintel as well. And Sintel. And I, I, uh, I do think that's a lesson I learned. However, I, I guess the thing that I'm terrified about is like I'm doing all this work, this work on spec for free yeah. in my spare time, spending literally years on it uh, in the hopes that there is some hype, that there is some uh, viral blah, blah. Like I could release this to, you know, to, to not to, to, not, to crickets. crickets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, hey, crickets is a, an emerging new, uh, a new audience. VR that, experience, uh, yeah. <laughs> No, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel you. Yeah. It's, it's so, a, so it's you know, because I, I, I have friends who kind of go, go the opposite way, who will literally uh, sell a pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have almost nothing but a big idea, but on the uh, on sort of the uh, maybe the backbone of their previous work and their yeah. track record, whatever, uh, and their confidence in a room. They can get in and they can kind of sell the big idea and then they get paid to write the script or they get, you know, uh, yeah. the, they sell the, the, the concept and then it goes into development with that, you know, production company or whatever it is. And um, I just know I'm not capable of doing that. I'm like not good in a room. I have no experience pitching. Like that's part of the process that I'm about to find out, like what yeah. it even is. But um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm 
like I mentioned, like tr- I just want to be as prepared as I possibly can be. Yeah. And so, in addition to the proof of concept, I want the you know I want um, a pitch deck. I want a, a treatment and a synopsis, and I want a feature script that you can read. I want there to be no reasons why uh, why someone would say, oh yeah, I don't know if he's got this together. You know, <laughs> like. I yeah. want to give them all the no excuses to say no, basically. And uh, <laughs> I, are you writing the script uh, with a par- writing partner? I, am. I have a writing uh, writing partner who I've who I met at Pixar, and uh, he's based in the Bay Area, so we basically Skype every week. And um, our collaboration has evolved quite a bit over the last years, but yeah. um, he's been indispensable and a huge. I mean, we're definitely co-writing. Wow, this that's thing, great. So yeah. And does he have any pitching experience? Not really, no. I mean, the both of us, I think, um, came... It's like, we. this was not our job description at Pixar. Okay, gotcha. you know? And um, he is doing a lot more, like, children's books and middle-grade novel-type writing work than screenwriting. Um, I see, yeah. And so, I, he's placed really well in some, you know, screenwriting contests and that kind of thing. But in terms of selling projects, getting in the room, that kind of thing, it's all new to him as well. Yeah. And I would say same for my producer. You know, we're all kind of in the same boat hoping that this project can can put us in those rooms <laughs> i see and you mentioned it was the more the most expensive short you've you've yeah. made uh is that is this uh kind of self-financed or did you get some partially kind of- i was very lucky to get a uh an independent financier uh, wow. on this on a short um which never happens it is very lucky yeah. and uh i am still pinching myself um <laughs> and uh just um you know, I'm I'm hoping that it ends up being worth it to this guy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's been a huge, huge supporter of me and the and the this project and a believer in the you know in its future. Um, and essentially, we connected you know years ago on on some other project and um, and this seemed to be the right fit. Um, yeah, and because it's a proof of concept and and we do aim on selling it eventually. You know that that's that's the model that we hope to you know we we hope to actually reimburse his investment. Yeah. Um, but again, it's really really hard to promise anything. So it's it, he's aware of the level of risk yeah. this is. Um, and in addition to that, you know, I, I poured in some of my Pixar savings, and we did a Kickstarter in the uh, the later years to get us through post. We raised over fifty thousand dollars just wow. for visual effects. Um, just for visual effects. Yeah, yeah, and it disappeared so fast. <laughs> Even so, though you do, you did most of it yourself. Or? Yeah, ultimately, um, you know, the, the brunt of the load was was shouldered by me and my visual effects supervisor Sandro, who uh, worked at Method for eight years and is oh. now at Zoic, and he's a visual effects supervisor in TV right now, and um, he's he's just incredible, and he did some, you know, probably eighty percent of the compositing on the whole. Oh wow! Yeah, on the whole short, but um, some of the CG. Uh, work from um, sort of the design, modeling, and shading, and rigging of the of the drones, and um, the uh, the actual animation, character animation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got some volunteers, and then we hired some folks uh, to make that all happen. Gotcha. Yeah, we just literally have someone blowing wind uh, <laughs> outside the window. Um, because it's a uh, gardener time still here in, uh, in North Hollywood. Um, so, um, 
That's okay. So it wasn't just a one-man job, essentially, is what you're saying, right. as far as the fifth. Yeah, I was very lucky to have a you know pretty sizable team of volunteers, and people came and came and went, you know, yeah. in post, and a, a lot of uh, long-distance collaborations. Yeah. Um, and uh, but there was a, a very small core team, and and a lot of the work really was Sandro. And did he uh, comp it in Nuke or? Yep. And the uh, th- all the 3D was done in Blender? Or was all it 3D kind of- was done in Blender. I think we had some um, maybe effects elements that were done in Houdini. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, um, it was, yeah. Uh, How did you, kind of t- tell, tell me a bit, because, you know, we're going to dive in a bit more about the short and stuff. Sure. So what's, uh, what was the design process for the drone? I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Minim- minimalistic uh, design makes a lot of sense. That me. was part of my, uh, of the fun, I think, of the bit, of the high concept. I was really allured by the, uh, by the world of it and, yeah. and uh, the design challenge of, visualizing a future uh like an amazon delivery drone future yeah but taking a step further uh, where there's actually uh a a system in place to to have a drone deliver a package into the home mm-hmm. in a in a in an appliance that's as normal as a fridge yeah um and so there was a, a process of kind of blue sky designing you know to kind of it's like how do these elements come together because it's not just about the drone it's about what does the pod look like what is, how does the how does the drone drop a pod off at a resident uh, at a residence or a right. business? There's a, a big distributor hopper type thing on on the roof, and and a network of of tubes, pneumatic tubes, you know, that kind of yeah. uh, form this exoskeleton over the over the uh, you know, in this case, an apartment complex. Right. And then a tube, you know, there has to be this standardized size, um, so that that pod literally travels that same design from a drone to the tubes into the the portal appliance right um and that that was really fun and and the majority of that all um rested on the the shoulders of uh, a friend of mine who is a really talented concept artist matt bell um who i went to school with uh, at savannah college of art and design back in the day and um i actually didn't know him then but i met him at uh, ctn uh one november many years ago right, <laughs> and wow. um, kind of told him, gave him the pitch for this project and he was really intrigued by it. And I thought that his portfolio was just perfect because he does a lot of this, um, you know, kind of high concept sci-fi stuff, but also he's really into product design um, and uh, architecture and that kind of thing. And so, Brilliant. so that's like the, mar- the marriage of all of them together. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so uh, we iterated quite a bit. I mean, in retrospect, like literally when we were, prototyping in in the design phase um amazon hadn't announced huh. its drone ambitions this is i mean uber uh pool was not a thing right you couldn't just uh order food to be delivered uh via these myriad of services that exist today yeah it's like in five or six short years the world really is pretty different wow but um the design we settled on i think it's really interesting we would probably not go with something this heavy duty uh, if I was to, to you know go Redesign, through the process again because yeah. um, because they are they do look pretty heavy they're like uh, you know I mean we tried to use light a suggestion of light materials like carbon fiber and um, and I don't know poly poly your <laughs> thing I don't know what that like it's yeah. sort of a semi trans translucent kind of uh, f- fiberglass kind of looking mm-hmm. shell. Uh, I guess fiberglass is pretty heavy, but yeah. um, it's more of a plastic look. 
but uh, but still, like the drones, the recent drones that have been, you know, I've been watching Amazon do are like glider gliders that also have uh, uh, rotors on them, and they're they're really designed quite differently. Yeah, and the tech is very different, and so it's just interesting <laughs> because because it was science fiction five years ago, and now, oh, yeah. now you can sort of see a working uh, model. Um, but it's still, I think it's fairly convincing and uh, in the short. And it was definitely part of the, the fun of executing this. Yeah, visually. wow, I can imagine. It looks it looks great and makes sense in the world, you yeah. know? It's I don't think that I mean I frankly think that your vision is probably what it's gonna end up looking <laughs> like more than what they have right now. It seems like what they have right now is like very early prototypes and when they right. actually need to cater to, to find something that caters to different sizes of boxes and stuff like right. that and when people are gonna get a bit more used to having uh, armies of drones hovering above their heads, and right. they're probably going to get bigger. <laughs> um, yeah, and this, uh, we make this distinction. I mean, you just sort of see one example of a cargo drone, which is for that bigger, yeah. uh, those bigger packages, if you want furniture delivered or something like that. Yeah, or like, uh, spoiler alert, a human <laughs> delivery. <laughs> right, uh, so much possibility. <laughs> yeah. um, and you have a cameo in the film, like a pretty crazy... We do. Uh, uh, achievement. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of my most favorite actors uh, is uh, Jude Law. Jude Law from I loved him in AI. He's probably one of my favorite characters in film in, of all times. As so, uh, Gigolo yeah, Joe. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that came about? What what uh, did you bump into him in the street and like? Uh, <laughs> that would make a pretty great story. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel really super lucky that this ended up happening. I still can't believe it, to be honest. Um, and uh, it wasn't really the initial intention to have a cameo, but it seemed like as we were finishing the film, it became clear, okay, like, this role is only one shot. It's kind of a dramatic reveal. It's yeah. a villain. It's promising something for the feature. It's at the end of the movie. It's, it's perfect yeah, for, for a for cameo. cameo. And um, so, kind of with that plan in mind, we finished the rest of it, mm -hmm. completely finished. Oh. Um, and the, the plan was to, to be able to send a complete version of the film to whoever we could get a hold of and, um, and, and just have like this placeholder storyboard, like, you go here, are you interested? Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, it's one thing to have that goal and another thing to, to actually pull of it off. Yeah. And, um, we really lucked out. I mean, it's the long and short of it because we just didn't know anyone. Um, and, uh, you know, there was basically one other kind of guy we ended up trying to get to. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it, it was through personal connections, mm -hmm. uh, as it kind of always is, I guess. Yeah. Um, but my co-director on Agent 327, Hjalti, is an Icelandic animator, uh, friend, co-director, and um, he, his childhood friend uh, married someone whose first cousin, literally, this is like five degrees of, of separation, <laughs> was uh, the girlfriend of, of Jude Law. <laughs> uh, uh, or maybe at that point they were engaged because now they're married. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, it's, uh, you know, the, there was there's quite a chain of people to, to get through. It's, it's such a weak connection and and uh i only knew about it because one time hilti mentioned that he met met jude law at like a kind of a family function one time okay you know years ago yeah and um 
you know, it's always interesting, an interesting story to hear about, oh, wow, celebrity, how was that, how was he? Um, but uh, I was very fortunate that Hjalti was willing to pass my film along and to kind of vouch for me and, um, and, and that, that sort of goodwill continued along through the chain until finally, uh, literally months, maybe four months after that process began, I got an email from, from Jude. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he liked the film and he wanted to, to help, you know. And That's great. he's just been incredibly generous. Um, and he did it for free as a favor. And he hasn't uh, complicated, like he hasn't demanded anything. Uh, and uh, he's, he's offered to, to continue to support it in certain ways. And so I couldn't be more grateful. And it was... Uh, it was a dream come true to get to meet him and literally, uh, you know, spend an hour getting getting this shot in the can. And you mentioned you you had to travel to to do yes. that, right? Was... We, well, we had a we had a near miss. I mean, uh, scheduling it was kind of. Tr I mean, this guy is a movie star, and he's yeah. he's been busy back to back projects for for a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, he lives in London, and he's in LA. You know, every once in a while, as his schedule demands that he is, and I think, you know, back in March or April or something, he was he was doing press for Captain Marvel because he's in Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, I th we were trying to maybe get together. You know, we we were making plans to rent a studio space and put a small crew together to kind of like be available in case he could free up uh, an hour of his time. Yeah, and it was a very casual thing, and it kind of had to be. And that ended up being a near miss. It just didn't didn't quite work out for oh. his schedule, and he was just so so busy. Um, yeah. And I thought that was probably it. Like you know. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No. I mean, we he was you know giving us a lot of time just to just to watch the thing and be encouraging via email. But uh, you know he sort of brought up the possibility of of shooting this in London, and I was like, yes, <laughs> just give me a date. <laughs> right. And. Um, you know, it took some time to arrange, but and it was kind of a challenge to produce long distance with a crew in a London crew I'd never met. Because um, I, I walked in to set wow. with you know a bunch of you know people I'd never met. Did you still use a DP, or did you get a local mm -hmm. DP? We got a local DP, so okay. it was me and my producer who who flew to London wow. uh, in the hopes that it would just uh, click into place. <laughs> And if I remember correctly, it seems like it happened. It's on the rooftop that he's uh, right. on the same rooftop from the other scenes. Indeed. So how did you accomplish that? Yeah, so um, we were kind of uh, lucky in that for the visual effects process of executing most of that rooftop sequence, we had already built a whole bunch of assets in mm -hmm. 3D. Um, to, you know, all those tubes are CG. We didn't oh, have real okay. tubes. Um, and we built, a, you know, like a, a rough uh, kind of pebbly you know, ground plane with mat, you know, with these mats and these little appliances, oh. like an AC unit and stuff like that. Uh, and we already had, like, skies and, and, you know, we had a lot of the elements that You're were required. You're talking about 3D builds. 3D elements, yes, as well as compositing, you know, like, uh, structure, you know, in place yeah. to basically feel comfortable, like, shooting on green screen. Okay. So he is yeah. the only live-action element in that shot. Oh. And uh, it was actually a pretty gnarly key. We, we lit the green screen really poorly and oh. we i didn't realize that how important the uh, the exposure difference is because yeah. it was very even but it was far too high key we could have mm -hmm. we should have just let it 
sit real low because yeah. it's a night scene. Right. Um, yeah. And so Sandra was wrestling with the key. That was the hardest element of it uh, mm-hmm. for quite a long time. But, um, but yeah, I think it matches pretty well. Um, <laughs> we were really boxed in the shot before, the shot after. In fact, my visual effects supervisor is the one picking up the gadget in the, you know, it's his oh, hand, it's his hand. <laughs> in the prior shot. And we shot that a whole, over a year ago. And that kind of locked us into a certain, like, Angle, he's a white yeah. he's a white male you know because <laughs> look at this guy's hand uh, <laughs> and also yeah it locked us in in terms of shot design we had to uh shoot something that would cut from that close-up extreme close-up of the of the gadget in that hand yeah um so but but you had the gadget you brought it as we a, as brought a the, prop. the gadget and i brought that wardrobe he's wearing a uh a nexport branded uh sort of gray jacket and we gotcha. didn't really know his sizes so we made two of them <laughs> We just hope that one of them fit reasonably well. Oh. Um, so, yeah, not everything wor- went, like worked perfectly, but uh, uh, it was an incredible. I mean, I was sleep deprived. I was feeling a little sick. I was jet lagged. So I was not on my A game. Uh, but he was really, really generous and, and uh, was really good at, at, you know, making me feel comfortable and everyone on, on, on the crew. Um, Did you have uh, a lot of like kind of anxiousness leading up to meeting uh, Jala? Yeah, and I sure did. I sure did. I didn't sleep a wink the night before. <laughs> yeah. uh, now that I've done it, now, now that I've like met a guy, you know, like that at his level, hopefully next time, if there is one, we'll go easier. I mean, he's just a mortal. He's just like a normal yeah. human. He answers his emails, you know. He, he <laughs> he's not an android. He's not he's, like right, like, big jiggler. Right. I mean, he was. Re- <laughs> right. Yeah, he was really charming and and lovely and and supportive and uh, yeah, I really could not ask for anything more. And um, he showed up, which is mind blowing of his own. And he was patient with me, and we did uh, probably more takes than I should have with someone at that level. So yeah. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the process. Like, were you kind of like, no, Jude, that's not what I meant. You know, like, I, I needed to do something different. You don't know what you're doing. Oh, my God. Um, I'm bad at directing actors to begin with. <laughs> uh, that's not my strength. You know, I'm, I'm good behind a computer and post, like, piecing shots together and stuff. And I, I think I'm also good in the previous side of things, you know, in pre-production, visualizing. With, like, being on set, in production, directing actors just not my comfort zone hmm. uh, so you throw us you know but it's also something you don't you don't do as much it's, exactly. it's harder to yeah. it's harder to to exercise that yeah it really it's, is that's actually one of my i think near-term goals is just get on set more often yeah make more projects that are faster turnarounds so that i have more on-set experience um but yeah i i think that uh and trust me i have I've spent weeks of my life after after this cameo shoot just analyzing every moment of it, you know, uh, uh, things that I said, things I should have said, things that I, that, you know, a more effective piece of direction might have been this or, you know, uh, places I definitely stumbled. And, and one of those places is literally just pitching the character to him. You know, I should have. Well, I should have been prepared to pitch the character he's going to be playing. <laughs> it's pretty important to be able to do. <laughs> so, did you uh, have have you since kind of like figured out or, or or you know engraved in your mind what that pitch would have been? Had you <laughs> you know had you had it for him? Um, well, if the follow up question is why don't you pitch me the character, then the answer <laughs> is no. But I have, yeah, I think that I could do, certainly do a better job of it now. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, in the shower, uh, you know, di- like weeks shade. and afterwards, oh, you're like, man, oh, this, I... this, is, this is how I should have phrased that. Yeah. Um, I think it's just kind of where you put your emphasis, you know, what, what uh, you know, the broad strokes of how you define a character or what's, a, what's an interesting thing for an actor to kind of grab a hold, grasp a hold of. Um, and then when it came to the direction itself between takes, you know, I think I was fairly ginger about it. I think we did a lot of takes, unfortunately, for technical reasons, mm. for camera and focus and and Yeah, it was a complicated shot. It's kind of like rotating around him. Moving yeah, from, it's know. like the, the timing of the dolly move with the raising of his hand and then how long do we settle on his face before he says the line, you know, he raises his hand to his earpiece. And, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit, I mean... For a guy like that, it's you know, it's bread and butter. You can, you know, you can block that in a, in a thirty yeah. seconds, and and uh, he's got it. But um, but I think because it, it was a probably a fresh used crew, to, to it being blocked pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And with and a, just moving. Yeah. But um, you know, it was a fresh crew I hadn't worked yeah. with before, and and uh, there's just a lot of elements, and and so. Uh, I don't think I gave him a whole bunch of takes. I mean, he he kind of asked what you know whether this is. Uh, just like a, a small kind of understated moment, you know, and um, he kind of delivers the line under his breath a little bit. And yeah. I like that choice. And it's sort of casual and thrown away um, rather than sort of menacing and, and maybe a little more stereotypically villainy. Um, and yeah, I like that choice call, as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for the most part, um, he had input on, on a lot of things, including like his hairstyle and, you know, uh, the tie and stuff like that. And so... Um, and I liked all those choices. Yeah. And um, you know, I I, uh, I think I steered steered him in subtle ways because, like, ultimately, uh, the take we went with was the last take that we shot. Okay. And um, I felt like that was the moment when everything clicked from the camera move to the delivery, you know, and the timing. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was very fulfilling. <laughs> and that was literally it. Literally, it. It was the shot you got you can't you drove you flew all the way to yeah. london to get right right one shot exactly which is yeah. insane um fortunately i had my 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 brother has been living in madrid this past year and i've been finding looking to uh find an excuse to go visit him oh good <laughs> so, so we could kind of kill a couple of birds worked out yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the idea of of going to such effort is is kind of insane on one end and then it makes perfect sense on another because Man, it's it's kind of crazy the power that uh, a name like that um, has, and it's not something it's something you kind of have an idea of, but uh, experiencing it is kind of another level. Um, everyone on that set was pretty professional, and they were all giving their time for free. Oh wow! And they there was no question about whether or not they wanted to be involved, you know, because we were shooting Jude Law. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty pretty cool in and of itself. And then certainly when it comes to talking to people about the project i mean that is honestly why jude was kind enough to to uh to lend his his face his name you know his talent to the project is really because he's aware that that it will elevate yeah the film in 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 people's minds and the film is the same it's the same story yeah <laughs> with or without a cameo like that but um he's given the project such a boost and i hope that um, that maybe that will contribute to um, its potential success on online when we when we do drop it online um, and at festivals. Who knows? Like uh, and certainly in in rooms in Hollywood when we're trying to pitch the feature, we already have a pretty 
amazing uh, champion. Yeah. And, um, and, it, and that means I'm a lot. Curious about it does, I'm sure. And it's incredible that he was, you know, <laughs> yeah. he made himself available. It's yeah. such a lucky kind of connection you guys uh, capitalized yeah. on. Um, so when it comes to like pitching the feature in the room after, which hopefully you will be doing, which yeah. assumingly you will, um, yeah. how do you kind of, uh, I know it's kind of a, a far, far-fetched question might not even thought about yeah. that this long but like ideally if you you know if everything went according to plan and you got your chance and you know you you've um you've been able to convince producers to uh um to to invest in, and to produce your film how do you <clears throat> um how do you imagine your your future looking like in terms of the amount of time you spend in front of a computer versus being on set, which, <laughs> you know, which you're probably going to have to be doing a lot more of. I hope so. I mean, part of the reason I hope so is because I literally physically have an arm injury oh, from, 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 from a decade plus of computer work. I have wow. like, uh, and it's way better now than it was four or five years ago, but uh, I have repetitive stress, RSI. Oh, wow. And uh, it's really prevented me from from doing as much intense, uh, you know, work on the box, uh, shot work, and even oh, though no. I love it. Um, so part of this, you know, hope, you know, in terms of career moves is literally one out of necessity. Like I, I really can't, I don't know if I could go back to a layout job at an animation studio because, because I don't know of how demanding, physically demanding yeah. it is. Wow. I, I use foot pedals uh, instead of clicking. Um, I use a left-handed mouse and trackpad. And I have a lot of uh, tools now in my home setup just to avoid taxing my arm. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I actually sucks. saw I saw a behind-the-scenes video from, I think it was one of the Blender films you directed. Yeah. And I noticed you working with foot pedals. And I thought I was like, oh, wow, that's like a... Fancy. Fancy. <laughs> he's using both hands and foot pedals. And he's like, you know... Like ten times probably more. Uh, <laughs> it's really actually way less efficient. You know, it's it's I've, you know, my yeah efficiency and productivity has dropped because of it, oh, as you might right. imagine. But um, you know, I've found a way to work around it, and uh, I can type again. And, and literally, you know, for a period of a couple of years, there was no typing. I wow. couldn't type. Um, which sucked. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dictation, a lot of uh, hunting and pecking with, basically pencil erasers uh wow. just so that basically i could i could move i could move all my digits together but i couldn't uh, move my fingers independently from each other i was just excruciating so wow anyway i didn't that even realize that it's uh, such a <laughs> such a condition yeah yeah and I'm, I'm really glad i wasn't sure if i would ever really cover but um just rest and and changing behaviors wow. has changed has helped a lot but that's part of the reason why I do want to. I want to spend a lot more time, um, you know, thinking big picture, um, and and directing and working on set and and working collaboratively with other artists who might be more on the box than me. Yeah. Um, you know, I do. I still love uh, and can't avoid. You know, um, you know, my main tool as a artist, as a creator, as a filmmaker, obviously, all going to be. You're going to be in front of a screen. Even if it's just writing emails yeah. um, or doing drawovers or that kind of thing, but um, but yeah, I I, uh, I I really do hope to be directing more, right? Because um, because I really haven't, like I said, have not 
found a way to support myself doing this quite yet. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how it might look in the future, whether it's going to be, you know, in the indie space, in the commercial music video world, if it, if I will get the chance to kind of jump into a, maybe a, a bigger uh, league with a sci-fi project like Skywatch. Um, but uh, but I, I do hope to be working in the future, future world uh, ultimately. Yeah. yeah, and I think you got... As far as I could tell, the ducks are in the row. The right ducks are in the right row. The right order. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, and um, yeah, I, w- I definitely want to watch the feature version of Skywatch without a doubt. Um, Thank you. So yeah, I hope the uh, the, the script is. I mean, it's the that's the the biggest the biggest hurdle is just finding that feature story and making it really great so yeah you know like I that's actually the most important thing i'm i'm i want to talk about for like briefly before we yeah. wrap up about um you know the process and and the that kind of uh perfectionist approach to yeah. to trying to get everything ready and done <laughs> before you're in the room i had an experience uh where i it was also with some name actors in a it was actually a school exercise which they huh. were willing to take a part in back cool. in Israel. So the name actors there, sure, um, more like childhood heroes. Yeah, you know? um, and uh, it's a couple, and they were both in willing to to take part in my film. And I had a panic attack the night before. <laughs> I mean, I've never had that. It's yeah. not like me. I'm not a stress stressed yeah. out person at all. Yeah. Um, but I remember storyboarding the hell out of it. I don't think I've ever had a project that was this <laughs> storyboard. I didn't do a 3D previous. I did do it for Europa. Yeah. Uh, and to some extent for, uh, for Face Swap, which is uh, me and my wife's latest short. Right. Which um, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Feel free to open. Oh, you were. Yeah, <laughs> She's just walking by here with the uh, keys <laughs> on her way to. Uh, but. Um, um, but I just remember, like, it, it, it was, um, I was so prepared that at some point I realized I was preparing for a scenario in which I am not there. Hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like I told myself, that, you know, I, I stopped for a second. I was like, you're doing too much. It's like, you know, and, and. Absolutely. And you're, <laughs> it's almost like you're trying to make all decisions ahead of time. So right. that come, you know the time comes you 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 won't be able to make any bad decisions because all the all the decisions have already been made by then absolutely and my experience was when later like the next morning after pretty much sleepless night i I was like hyperventilating in bed for the whole night yeah um i arrived on set and you know and i and the actors were late they were like an hour late (laughs) to set you know yeah which i think you know you'd think would have been an even more stressful kind of unfolding of, of situation because I've had everything planned out to the, to the minute. So right, right. having them arrive an hour late yeah. was, a, was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and they needed to go through makeup and everything. So yeah. you know, they came late and everything had to start late. Um, but it didn't make it worse. It actually made it better uh, for me. Yeah. Just to know, because I think a big part of my... Uh, anxiety came from the notion that these are professionals and I'm going to be doing a school exercise with my colleagues (laughs) and we barely, you know, know how to operate a camera at this stage and, you know, what are they going to think and are they going to like, you know, 
am I going to be blacklisted from the industry <laughs> before my career has even begun, you know? Right. Um, so them coming late was a little bit of a, of a release of anxiety. Uh-huh. Um, and also my biggest takeaway was that you're on set and you... And you're there and you, your job is to make decisions, which means some decisions will have to be made on set, yeah. which also means that there is also room to leave some decisions right. for the set, right. you know? Um, so, and I've, I've learned from that. I feel like, uh, you know, my next projects, that was just before I, I moved to the U.S. and went to AFI to, mm-hmm. to study film. So one of my kind of... Uh, one of the results of this experience was that I was much less prepared <laughs> if you're, but in a in a i wouldn't say you know obviously it's good to be prepared and it's so it's important to be and and sometimes I could have been more prepared and I yeah. would have probably benefited from that right um but I realize it's always a some kind of a of a balancing act of like you always have to prioritize one thing over another and and in my case, after that experience, I prioritized my sanity uh <laughs> and over you know over some level of control maybe that I would have gotten if I spent more time preparing and I think it's almost became like this kind of um tendency of mine to not over prepare in order to not be in that situation again where I'm hyperventilating <laughs> the night before right um hmm. so it's a long way of asking um <laughs> you know how valuable do you think uh i mean you've you've touched about it you think it's it's important to have your script mm. ready before you go out and pitch it mm. um do you think there's also room to kind of be to leave some some aspects of the of the plot and your feature that you're pitching kind True. of open to further development by oh, the yeah. producers yeah. you're going to meet and things like that how yeah. much of it do you kind of factor in or do you just say let's let me be as prepared as i am or as prepared as i can be right which is maybe 100 percent prepared or like you know have you know shot the film in my head already and <laughs> right like, uh, and then, you know, a producer will come in and have his own inputs and all, that's fine. Right. We'll, you'll be able to answer yeah. more precisely. It's a really great question. And I think that uh, it kind of cuts to the core of like, you know, my, my sort of creative method and, 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 and actually this journey that I'm on, because I think I'm trying to learn the same lesson and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to let go, but it's really crucial, I think, to, to especially, I think, Right now, I'm pretty good at filling the time that I have to over-prepare because I have the time. Yeah. But I think uh, when you're actually making a feature film or you're, you have a real career in this, you just don't have the time. You, you right. just got to move. And, um, and so I've taken advantage of that fact, you know, um, and, uh, but, but it's allowed me to get a little neurotic about it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just thinking about, you know, my you were talking about your experience with the, with the, the your the A-list actors, you know, f- uh, on your end. I mean, I the night before meeting Jula, it was really I was just workshopping conversations in my head, all the possible myriad of ways the conversation could go. I was thinking, oh, what if he asked about the feature? How I'm gonna pitch the feature to him? <laughs> of course, that never came up. Of right. Course, we're not there to talk about the feature film. Yeah. Um, it was it was useless work. It was useless anxiety and <laughs> preparation that would have been better spent elsewhere in more practical ways. And um, you know, couldn't help it in that particular case. I think with the with the script, um, I my goal with that is to be as to push the ball as far along 
as I possibly can. And uh, because because I like I'm terrified that it won't be good enough. Yeah. To 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 um, to grab a hold of the imagination of, of a producer or for for it for its merit, you know, or its um, you know emotional qualities to, yeah. to really come through. I mean, I do think it just objectively needs a lot of work, and I want to get it as far as I can. But I am also very open to and expecting. Uh, that uh, the script will need to be rewritten or it will need to be uh, adapted to suit the the preferences and the the goals of of whoever it is the entity the producer the the production company the studio who wants to potentially develop it into uh, a feature like i i guess i'm not expecting that this is the shooting script that i'm writing yeah but um i look forward to to being paired with uh, a writer with with credits who you know who who the studio trusts to to kind of like give it a new fresh take that you know a, a studio exec creative exec <laughs> wants or, or whatever um, yeah so yeah I don't, I don't know i think i just owe, owe it to myself i think to tr- to do as much as possible on my own to try to feel confident i think a lot of it comes down to personal confidence in the room like if i think it's not yet ready then I'm not going to be able to pitch it well. Right. But if I think it's, man, you could actually just shoot this. Like, this is this is pretty close. Then I think that that will just come through in how I, how I talk about the project. Yeah, so I think it's like, it's kind of more uh, working on yourself. Yeah. Almost as in like, you know, the, the more prepared you feel, the more confident you'll be in the Absolutely. room. Absolutely. I think it, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense and it's the right way to go. Another question I, I just had, you know, you've started working on this, short about five or six years ago you said yeah um you were inspired by shorts that led to people's feature film career at a time when that seemed to happen a lot right um have you noticed since then or you know since the your inspirations or since you've started doing this yeah uh new trends in in how the filmmaking or the you know the the industry is is approaching um similar situations like you know shorts and yeah and have you also considered you know doing um pitching your project as something else than a feature because right. features themselves seem like the, you know, the industry itself has evolved and there's other yeah. other avenues as well there's been a lot of uh movement i think evolution in hollywood since i started this thing and i'm actually not the most tapped in guy you know into into the the trends and you know what's going on this week you know uh sales and and projects and you know don't don't you know variety or is not my homepage, but um <laughs> it's not <laughs> shame on me like. i uh i i do feel like um there is pro- there's probably less of these you know proof of concepts that are getting picked up yeah there's not a whole lot of original sci-fi being made uh the original sci-fi that is being made seems to be on streaming services and and uh i actually feel like a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily penetrate the market you know it's like stuff that i kind of need to search for right um there's a few you know few really great examples of like i just watched i am mother on uh on netflix which is a First timer. I haven't seen uh, it, but it sounds debut film of. uh, It's a great, great sci-fi, low budget, you know, but but high production value film, and um, you know, I was very impressed, and and, um, to be able to make something like that, that would be amazing. Um, 
So I think that and it's a feature. So it's it's a was, feature. it could have been also theatrically a uh, the theatrical. It could have been, but I think because it's uh, it was acquired by Netflix, it it probably had a festival run, but yeah. um, probably didn't get a release, even an, a limited release on in theaters. Makes I'm sense. not actually sure in that case, um, but certainly I I've gotten that question a lot recently. Could this be a show? Could this be a limited series or or something? And um, yeah, I, <laughs> I am very open to that conversation. I don't watch much TV, and I'm a sucker for endings. Mm. You know, so when it comes to TV, I would definitely prefer to structure it in a very concrete. This is one season that has a satisfying ending, yeah. kind of way. And I think there's a lot of story to mine in, in the because I've done so many drafts of this, and I've got. I've developed a lot in terms of character in the world, and I, I think there's it could certainly be adapted. Um, but just because of my personal preferences as a viewer... Um, it's wanting, easier for you to, to, to get a sense of the structure of a yeah. feature than it is for TV, Absolutely. I think, right? I'm just more familiar with it, yeah. I'm more confident about it, um, and would be more excited to make a feature, but uh, I'd much prefer to make something than, than, <laughs> than nothing. nothing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I. And it might actually be more. It might be more successful as a. As series, a series. As a series yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember just thinking about because one thing that I remember uh, that got me to consider series as, as maybe a preferable way to go is that you can when you pitch a series you don't have to know the ending. <laughs> You're like, you right. can have an idea for the ending, yeah. but you really only the you know. People only really prepare, uh, pre expect to read the pilot, yeah, which kind of frees you up in a bit, in in a way. You know, you can kind of you know focus more on on the characters and on world building and on setting things up. And you don't have to really kind of worry as much as as you would uh, with a feature on like second act structure mm -hmm. and 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 uh, the whole kind of wrapping up. And totally. I mean, yeah, you want to be able to kind of tell them what you imagine the you know right. everything kind but of leading on to it can be more broad to. strokes yeah but you can be like how exactly do we get there yeah. you know it depends if we have five episodes we can go this deep if right. we go ten you know we can yeah. do that or maybe we split it and we only get there in the you know third season finale and <laughs> right. all these things is suddenly become these kind of uh, open there's things there's something and, to be said about uh, giving um, you know another creative entity uh you know, room for their imagination to fill yeah. in the gaps. I mean, that's part of the problem of of writing a concrete screenplay is like the short kind of uh, promises a lot. Yeah. But then it's like when this thing comes concrete and they read it, it's like, oh, it's like hard for that to not to be somehow disappointing. Oh, well, this is, this is not really what I had in my mind. Yeah. You know, but uh, if, you know, talking a pitch like that for TV that's a little bit looser, you know, uh, can kind of retain that and also provide a structure to make this thing a real project that's yeah. uh, you know um, got a life beyond the short so it's that's a really great point uh, and I kind of I feel like I know what the what the pilot would be um, so it might not be a huge amount of work to to reappropriate adapt or, it yeah, yeah exactly nice so that's another way to think yeah. about it I guess good I mean, advice good advice because <laughs> you you will very likely uh, if you you know when I, I assume it's when you're going to be invited <laughs> to do pitches for, you know, for producers. Yeah. It's very likely that some of them will be 
producers who are yeah, more TV, involved in TV right. or uh, streaming and like you know will be like yeah you know we, we kind of like it more you know think about something we we have a slot in you know for a sci-fi series for you know I don't know that could that this could feed into and yeah having never done it before all of this is just it's just swimming around in my imagination is something that well I I think it'll happen but I I literally have no idea like what what it's like you know to do well, that I can, but I, I've been there's to, a whole industry up there yeah I, <laughs> I haven't done that exact thing I mean I've been to rooms and I've yeah I've been in pitches and I sold things yeah once <laughs> like I <laughs> sold things in the, in plural yeah you know, like sold I a sold thing. a thing that ended up not amazing you know, ended up not going through because the budget wasn't right but mm. so it was like that a, in and of itself though that's that's amazing dude uh, thanks, but I was lo- very lucky to be in the room with the right people. Like I, yeah. the, I let the pitch be uh, done by someone else, yeah. who has a lot of experience in pitching and right. in selling things, and I was just there to show, you know, show my face and to show yeah. some 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 tech uh, tech viz that I did for the for the project. Wow! Show. Um, but I can was say, was that a producer uh, essentially, or someone? Like what were their role? The guy who pitched it with you in the room it was uh the writer the writer okay. so it was kind of like uh um it was a project that i was uh that i that i had producers attached to it yeah. and a writer attached to it right. and it was actually kind of a i think it was more his idea to begin with yeah and i was brought on as potentially the person the right person to direct it and Got then it. i created a bit of a previs or or pitch viz like we called it gotcha um to show kind of like how we imagined one of the main kind of action sequences unfolding and yeah. we wanted to do it on a an impossible budget and we got we were able to get a producer or a distributor actually um to to commit to half of that which is why we didn't do it because right. it was like half ah. of an impossible budget is <laughs> right. even even less possible than the yeah. impossible budget. Um, and that's uh, amazing, though, but still. the experience of being there. Well, I, what I can say is that it's yeah. you know it's uh, it does it is an art of its own. Everybody says pitching is an art, right? Um, but it's also something that comes very natural to certain people mm-hmm. and certain people are kind of inherent storytellers mm-hmm. and from sitting with you here for <laughs> two hours two hours and 15 minutes now uh yeah joining both podcast recordings <laughs> and some interruptions in the middle um you know you seem to be capable of telling the story and like kind of presenting yourself and talking about it mm-hmm. so even though you don't have experience being in the room this is a room yeah <laughs> right you know, if you imagine your producer being, you know, someone right. like me, and and the re- the reality is like, producers often those pitches often do become conversations. They do, yeah. You know, I I, I was I actually just lower the stakes in my mind because the higher the stakes, the more nervous I would be, and you know, you, if, if and you, you want to be and you want to be Netflix, yeah. you're like, oh my god, this is the make or break. My entire career Look, hinges the, on this one moment. The best thing, the best thing to do is to simulate it and yeah. to have someone kind of practice, be in the room and, and pretend to be right. uh, the person you're pitching to. And the other thing, and, and that person should ideally have experience in pitching because, right. you know, if I was, if I were to simulate pitching, which I actually did before one of my first pitches, um, I remember the, the simulation was very different than the actual <laughs> like in the room experience. Right. The in the room experience is, 
you gotta remember those people probably listen to 20 pitches a day right and they're kind of tired of the whole kind of you know go in tell your story his list they don't really like to be passive as much i mean some yeah. do some don't care some yeah. some actually just want to be wowed conversing yeah. and having you okay. know mm-hmm. and brainstorming and stuff so you know mm. you could start you could you could be completely ready to pitch from start to finish and have like a 15 minute which is probably too long by the way i think yeah. it should be more like five or you know five minutes and uh-huh. ten like at most um and they'll just stop you right like 30 seconds in be yeah. like you know what you have for you know for for breakfast this morning I, you know <laughs> let me tell you a crazy story about what happened like right it's, it's one of those things where like you'll get to it right but they might not want it to just be like them li- sitting and listening to sure. you giving your spill. Right. Just because they probably get that. Yeah, you know, right. Everybody expects to be walking in and give the spiel. And like right. they're probably. They want to throw you off. They want to like yeah. actually have an, a conversation where you have to think on your feet, get a sense of who you yeah, are. Because part of it is kind time. of a job interview. Like what it's yeah. going to be like working with you on this right. film. Forget the, you know, of course we want it to be a you know, good story and everything. Right. But like. You know, who are you? You know, yeah. like you know, what's uh, what's your day like? What's your, uh, <laughs> do we yeah. connect on a on a on a personal level right. and stuff? Um, plus, you know, I, I assume that ideally you'll have manager, agent, and uh, you know, a, a whole entourage of people that's gonna go with you and and join you with the pitch, and they're gonna want to be somewhat involved as well. So it's yeah. not all gonna be on you. Um, but yeah, in other words, kind of relax. You know, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and you know, some yeah, the craziest things. Yeah, one of those things, just, you know, practice, just doing it. I'm sure the first pitch is going to be a disaster, but then you pick it up, you know, pick up the pieces and you try yeah. again and, and, uh, and get I more th- comfortable in that yeah. space. And, and I think, like, my t- my big, my, the biggest difference between the best pitch I had and the worst pitch I had yeah. was me. You know, <laughs> my level of stress, to be, to mm. be more specific, you know? Yeah. Because... Um, I don't think that there's this, you know, there could be a situation where someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer and that's yeah. like horrible for the pitch and like, you know, they re- and I feel like, oh, I've made such a, you know, <laughs> such a fool out of myself and like, what am I doing and all that. But um, but that usually is kind of a, a result of also being too um, too tense in the room and, sure. and, not, and not being... And not have the confidence to like kind of wing it and try to come up with an answer that sounds right or like think about, yeah. You know, you can also be in a situation where someone asks you a question and you just say, "Well, what do you think?" Like, I actually didn't think about this. Or you can be like, "Oh, that's a really interesting question." Right. Exactly. Just kind of own up to the fact that yeah. you don't quite have an answer yet. And I haven't thought of that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I mean, what do you think? Because you know, like I could. You know, like kind of turn it into a brainstorming session. Right. They'll remember that pitch more than the other one where they were just sitting passively and and, and just kind of absorbing something straight to face. Because they'll be like, oh, that's the pitch that I I made him think. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I had a good, I had a smart, I mean, you know, they... Even though they're, they know the dynamic is like they're the ones that are going to make a decision. You're the one coming, sure. you know, asking, begging for money. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> they're also human, and they also want to make, know that they're good at what they do, and right. and they have their own superiors who are kind of uh, right. they want to look good in front of. So you know, there's good things in every kind of. There's always there's so many ways this could turn and twist and turn and like you know totally being kind of you know meditate before you walk in and <laughs> i think that 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 will go a long way but yeah i mean i'm i'm 
I'm talking as if I have ton of tons of experience <laughs> pitching, uh, which I don't. I have you know a handful of, of well. I mean, it, just seems, it feels like solid advice and uh, um, you know just good, you know, practice in, in general in life. You know, it's just. Uh, uh, I think I'm really good at building things up to be a big deal in my head and it's like this imagined and not very healthy space and if you just kind of be present and be yourself and make the best of it and involve yeah. people in, in the conversation I mean that's uh, what it's all about and it's probably yeah. the best bet and I think you know like again my takeaway from my experience when I was like overly prepared or I kind of worked it up in my head to the point where it was unhealthy <laughs> right. was the, the, the realization that it's uh, ultimately I'm going to be there present. So, and I should trust myself to be able to make smart decisions um, right. when they, when those need to happen, because that's part of what your job is also as a director on set, mm -hmm. you know, like true. Sometimes you are fully prepared and um, a location drops the night before. <laughs> right. And then you pretty much, you know, something else comes up. Someone right. finds, you know, like your, your line producer or who, 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 uh, whoever finds another location that will just have to do. <laughs> and, and you'll have to, and you'll go there potentially. I mean, you know, right. or, um, or that would be the, the most logical thing to do budget wise, just go out and shoot the scene on the location that you have, <laughs> which is very different than what you've right. planned for, right. what you've storyboarded. And you just got to roll with it. And you have to roll with it. But the, 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 another takeaway is I think that you're smart and I think that, you know, maybe overworking in your head is not the greatest thing, but being prepared and, and having done that homework mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. will definitely put you in a better position when you do come to that kind of crossroad where you do have to uh, make a a quick change of plans. Yeah. Because you already did go, went through the process once. So you know what the, the story beats are. You know... Yeah even if you can't put the camera where you plan to or the location sure. doesn't work the way you did and that fancy camera motion, that fancy dolly that goes through the, right. you know, through the window, down the stairs to whatever yeah. is not really going to work. You know why it's there. Right. So you're much more likely to be able to kind of come up with a equally cool or even cooler solution on a day given right. the location you do have that will accomplish the same purpose totally. that it did in the in the big in in originally and, yeah. and if you haven't done that homework if you haven't kind right. of prepared for for what you did know that you have then you might not be as equipped to make those kind of totally bold decisions on the yeah. day so it's like it's really kind of have you have to do both you have to kind of wor overwork yourself to the point where you're like almost unhealthily kind of uh <laughs> prepared and and right. uh you know and you don't trust yourself to make those decisions on the day in order to be able to actually trust yourself to make those decisions on the day <laughs> when you have to, when right. there's absolutely no other choice. But, totally. um, but I'm, I'm really hopeful that on the, you know, when the time comes, you, um, you do get the opportunity to turn Skywatch and your future projects as well, as well as your previous ones that also have uh, been <laughs> developed into features, into reality. Thanks, man. And, uh, and have the budget <laughs> that's kind of what it all and comes the crew down to yeah to not have to wing it and not have to rely <laughs> yeah, totally on your like, go perfectly 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's going to be no stress. With Jude Law as yeah. the as the villain. As yeah, calling That's him awesome. the wiper, or we called him the wiper in that. I don't know if yeah, I think we did credit him as the wiper in this short, but he's called something else in the future. Oh, okay. <laughs> the wiper. The wiper. So, uh, uh, Colin Levy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for um, having me. This Absolutely. is the second installation or the second part of a, of a, of a two-part co- podcast. This is going to come out sometime in the future, Ooh, hopefully can't wait for around October, who knows, maybe <laughs> later, uh, to, the, you know, to the kind of world premiere and viral explosion Sensation that is sure of, to be. Uh, of Skywatch. Um, <laughs> And because I've already, already asked you for in a previous podcast and people can go back and listen to it, but I will save them the time and remind them that uh, they can find you online, Colin Levy, everywhere. Mm-hmm. C-O-L-I-N-L-E-V-Y. Uh, you got it. <laughs> uh, on all platforms. <laughs> We've paid a lot of money to get your... Uh, <laughs> bribed another Colin Levy for their yeah. URL are you going around like you know taking him out one after another <laughs> he's like hey Colin Levy's out there better, uh, better. There, there's a few there's a few I still don't have you know, I think Snapchat oh no a few others that gotta get on it yep one day send a drone yeah. send a drone on them <laughs> uh, cool thank you so much yeah honor to be here thanks so much for having and me best of luck thanks that was it episode 25 of the post post podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it i'm definitely uh super stoked for colin levy and uh, what's in store for him and i'm gonna keep updating you on uh, more developments as they come and uh stay tuned there's gonna be more episodes coming pretty soon and in the meanwhile you know subscribe comment share Uh, Do what you can to help more people reach this podcast. And um, till next time, I'm David Gidali of the Post Post Podcast. Mm